from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey guys, Steve here. You are listening to one of our original 26 episodes. If you've listened to any of our new episodes, you're going to notice that we're sounding a little different in these ones. Yeah, there's a reason for that. There is. They've been remastered. They have been remastered. Because they had a really annoying hum. Yeah, I mean, a huge thanks to uh, listener James for doing almost all of the legwork on this yes. thing. Yeah. You'll also notice if you had listened to what we're calling the Lost 26 episodes before, and you're re-listening now, the music and sound effects are gone. Yes, yeah. we've, we've gone back to straight audio. So, be warned, we sound a little different today than we do in what you're about to listen to. Yeah. Enjoy. Uh-huh. Bye. Okay, bye. Thinking Sideways. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways, the podcast. I'm Devin. I'm Steve. I'm Joe. And today we're going to talk about a mystery. A mystery? I know. So we're this not one, just going to talk about it. We're going to solve it. We're, we're not going to solve this one. <laughs> Probably we're not. Really sorry. No. This is like strap in, folks, because it's a long one. So Ian Hodder of Stanford University said of this, that it changes everything. It overturns the whole apple cart, and all of our theories are wrong. Mm. Okay. Oh. So radiocarbon dating puts this temple site roughly between 10,000 and 9,000 BC, which is like eleven to 12,000 years old. Wait, what temple site are you referring to? This one that we're going to talk about in a second. Calm oh. down. I'm trying to be mysterious, <laughs> okay, Joe. Okay, okay. Uh, for reference, more time has elapsed between the building of this site and the building of Stonehenge than elapsed between the building of Stonehenge and now. Well, that's a long time. Yeah. yeah. It's a really long time. Stonehenge was built in 3000 BC. Roughly. Yeah. Okay. And that's a long, that's a long time that's, ago. Oh, that's way back. Yeah. So this is for the generally accepted time frame of human evolution. Um, the first Homo sapiens are like kind of starting to appear at 10,000 BC. So we're kind of in the like just walk, starting to walk upright, using tools, making paintings, killing animals, kind of how self, has self-consciousness, but we're still seeing Cro-Magnon Man. We're solidly in the Stone Age. And one archaeologist explained that this is like finding out that a three-year-old built the Empire State Building with Legos. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right? I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I like that analogy too. I think it's really perfect because uh, no, I, I think it's a little arrogant. It's like really a put down of ancient man. I think <laughs> ancient man was a lot cleverer than a three year old. I think That's, they were capable of great things. Maybe, maybe this, you know, so. but in the, in, the, in the reference of time and, you know, yeah. you're, you're growing up. I, mm, I understand where yeah. the analogy is. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So we're talking about. Gobekli Tepe. Oh, yes. We would be, wouldn't we? We would be, wouldn't we? I kind of figured you must be. My dear Watson. Uh Yeah, so they call this the world's oldest temple. Or something. Or something. (laughs) Something. It might not not be a temple. We don't know. We don't know. I mean, we just don't know. 
Okay, so I just want to get a little bit of terminology out of the way. Okay. Um, because this trips me up a lot when thinking about history and prehistory. Yeah, it's weird. It's to a do weird the math terminology. And the thing about it is, is that, you know, this, for the purposes of this episode, we're basically going to say history started when writing started. Okay. Sure. Which is a kind of an anthropological accepted use of those terms. Again, it's a marker. Everybody that, uses different things. Right. This is the marker we're going to use for this. For story. this, for this okay. episode, we're going to talk. We're going to be talking a lot about prehistory, and I just want to make it clear that we're referring to a time before writing. Okay, before they started writing things before down, and we had before a, we have a recording of events. History. Yes. Although there is a little bit of history from, from before, because there were you know tales handed down by orally for for many many generations. Sure. Right, yeah. but those are harder to track. They, they are. Writing is very concrete and yeah, obvious. Exactly. So I understand yeah. why Devin said so, we're going to use that as kind of our, our reference point that is to a good move reason. backwards from. That so I just want to make it very that, uh, clear that for the it's just for the purposes of this episode, we're going to be talking about prehistory a mm-hmm. lot. And I want everybody to know we're not talking about the dinosaurs. <laughs> we're talking uh-huh. about a time before writing. Where was the Triceratops in this yeah. all? No, it's yeah. not that prehistory. So there weren't any dinosaurs when this was built? Mm, I don't think so. No. I think they were wiped out by then. I'm so yeah. out of here. <laughs> How do you know the dinosaurs didn't build this thing? I don't. Yeah. You know what? And there's, like, you know, again, who knows? All right. Well, let's, so, let's jump into this. Let's talk a little bit about what this thing, temple space is. Site. Yeah, I think site is probably the right word. So it's in Turkey. It's 2,493 feet above sea level. It's on this hill called Gobekli Tepe, uh, which translates roughly into Potbelly Hill or maybe Navel of the Earth. It's what the hill is called itself. So the site has been just named after the hill that it was found on. Okay. So it's, it, whereas we have, let's say Mount Rushmore, mm-hmm. they're saying, well, the name of it or Mount Everest would be better, mm-hmm. you know, is, is something that we recognize got a name. It's like, oh, and this is, we're just calling it what the name of that hill has always been. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this, this hill this, has been called this for, you know, ever since anybody can ever remember. I got it. Okay. The site itself is a series of rings. Um, most of these rings have two large stones that are like T-shaped pillars that are surrounded by a circle of slightly smaller stones which face inward. The tall pillars are usually about um, 20 feet high and weigh up to 20 tons. They're fitted into sockets that were either cut out of the bedrock or um, set into like a concrete-like floor. There are more than 200 pillars um, in about 20 circles. That's the current estimate through geophysical surveys. There may be more, there may be less. They can't really... And the geophysical thir- surveys, correct me if I'm wrong, that's mm-hmm. basically where they're making the little rolling cart that does mm-hmm. ultrasonic yep. readings of what it sees underground. Yeah, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. Have they've, they done any ground radar scans or anything like that? Yeah, they, so they've done all that stuff. They're kind of trying to... That's, as far as they can tell, that's what there is. But, you know, again... As far as they can tell from what they're seeing. Yeah, through what they're seeing. You know, there's you, you can only dig things up so fast. Mm-hmm. You know, and especially with a site like this, you don't want to just like hurry it up already and get everything out because who knows? Let's throw the backhoe in there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. The stones, most of them have carvings of animals on them mm-hmm. in in the stone, and the circles range from thirty two feet to eighty nine feet in diameter. Mm-hmm. You mean ninety eight feet? 
Yeah, did I say 89? Yeah. 98 feet. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. It's a difference, it turns out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's, so uh, we had this discussion before we started recording. I didn't know what 32 feet was. Conceptually, you know, conceptually. Put it into physical form. You know, I joked, oh, how many football fields is that? It's none. It's none. So if you laid 32 foot long rulers end to end. (laughs) Yeah, it's that. (laughs) It's that. So it's like about the size of like those big RVs you see. Hmm. Or like a school bus, school bus sort of, yeah. yeah. Okay. About that, so okay. not not enormous, but but know. also not tiny. Yeah, you no, know, so. no, not at all. And and when you say that it they these have the the T shaped pillars, is that what you call them? Mm-hmm. In the center, mm-hmm. that was really hard for me to understand. And I was looking at the photos. So when you say T shaped pillar, it's not one piece of rock that's been carved into a T, but it's two rocks set on top of each other to make a T shape. So one's long and skinny at the top and then one's skinny and going down in the ground. Is that... Because T-shaped rock is a weird way to say it. Uh, We should clarify this. It's an uppercase T, not a lowercase (laughs) T. An uppercase T. And um, I'm actually not sure about that. I have the impression that some of them are one Stone. I I had thought that they, they were because huge. if you look at them they're they're, they're they look thin like and flat and if you tried to stack them on top of one another it probably wouldn't work out that well. See I, I, and again this I didn't I didn't get that impression yeah. from when I looked at the photos sure. of this but sure. I, I mean mm. I don't know. It's my impression some of the accounts that I read said that um these stones would have been 60 tons when they took them out of the quarry and like brought them up. So it's my impression they brought these one like giant and carved stones it one out giant unit. and carved, yeah, one giant unit. But, but I mean, you know, it may be. And that would that be simpler than would. trying to fit them together. That's true. So that's the impression that I have. Although okay. I can't tell you that I explicitly saw that stated anywhere. <laughs> um, so there are three layers of this thing. And, you know, we kind of had this discussion earlier too. About the impressions of layers, and I'm like 99% sure that the layers are just like different time different strata scales, kind of different like places on the hill. Not that one is like layered literally on top of the other. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, and again, that's just the impression I have. And no, there, there there appear to be three different structures: a big, medium, and a small one. Well, there are lots of different structures. Mm. There's there's like 20. Of yeah. Them. Well, these are the um, ones that have been dug up so far, right? Yeah. yeah. So they're they're different kinds and okay. of different eras. So the layer three is the oldest um, and the deepest. So like the lowest on the hill, um, and it's where you see circles. The archaeologists suspect that they may have had roofs on them at one point. What kind of roofs? <sighs> Thatch, maybe nobody's really totally sure because there isn't any really evidence mm-hmm. of these things being left behind. So, and then you, the kind of animal carvings you see in this layer are basic animal reliefs. They look like this. Dear listeners, you cannot see, but if you go to the website, you'll be able to see them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they're just like relief carvings. Yeah, they're very simplistic, mm-hmm. basic relief. And by the way, for anybody who doesn't know, relief means that you carve away yeah. anything that is not going to be shown. So mm-hmm. in the one we were looking at, it was a bird, so everything around the bird has been carved away, so mm-hmm. only the bird is sticking forward. Right. Well, it's and actually a, a tougher way to do things. You know, It's a lot easier to chisel, chisel a bird into a rock than to chisel away everything that doesn't look like a bird yeah. on the rock. And, that, and, and the, the other ones that you see are also reliefs, but they're way more complex. This is just like a basic one-dimensional, well, 
three-dimensional, but, like, it's just flat, mm-hmm. basically. Right. Um, Again, uh, you know, it's amazing. I mean, there's no evidence of tools. And then mm-hmm. what kind of tools did these guys use? Yeah, so that's this? a... That's pretty interesting. Yeah. So there are no humanoid figures that are carved. They're all animals. Mm-hmm. Although some people suggest that the large T-shapes are, in fact, the humanoid figures. Um a lot of them have kind of arms at their sides, and we'll get into this theory a little bit more. Um, but some of them have kind of like arms carved into them a little bit. Uh-huh. So some people think maybe that they're um, supposed to be like human-animal hybrids or like kind of god-esque figures like uh, you would see in ancient Egypt where they're like a human with a something head. Uh-huh. Okay. Or Okay. So there, there is actually carvings of on arms some in of them. them? On some of them, not all of them. And I mean, you know, when we're looking at a picture of one of the reliefs right now and it's like a couple different animals carved into this one thing and there's no arms and it doesn't look like it's a representation of a human something hybrid. And that's what I was trying to understand is I was thinking, okay, was the stone itself, as in just the Mm -hmm. T-shape, supposed to be a representation Well, some people are kind of talking about that a little bit. And again, you know, it's these are so old, it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah, well, this what is speculation. It, seems, yeah. it seems unlikely, though, because these guys seemed good enough at carving stone that mm-hmm. if they wanted to really represent a human being, they probably would have carved more detail and yeah. made a more accurate representation yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's of fair. a human being. Um, so layer two, the structures um, start to be more rectangular. So instead of being big circles, they're they're kind of rectangles, mm-hmm. which is consistent since they're younger and rectangles are a more efficient use of space. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of you kind of see a development of use of building. They finally figured that out. Sort of kind of like, yeah, yeah. It's rectangles like, you know, are easier to build uh-huh. and easier to stabilize than a circle is. Yeah, and they're yeah. and they're more efficient. All your use space. of materials. Yeah. yeah. So and then the reliefs start to look way more complex. They're like really 3D images that are carved out of this one stone still. So they're technically a relief, but they're really like full on, I guess, carvings mm-hmm. on the rock like this is, which yeah. is really, it's, really interesting. And it's really like a tiger, perhaps. Or, yeah. Or a, it's a very, yeah, they're very intricate. Yeah, it's no longer one dimensional, just raised out of the stone yeah. at, at just a set distance away. Now we've got full depth, mm-hmm. uh, almost and not a use of perspective, but a use of form and, and everything that you see in an animal in terms of its shape and yeah. concave. So I guess the way to describe it is that the reliefs in the begin in the first ones are more like drawings. Mm -hmm. They look like just drawings on a piece of paper. You just cut away the edges. Yeah, Um, but these are sculptures. These are like sculptures. Mm -hmm. Full on. Yeah, absolutely correct. Yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah, and then um, layer three, which is kind of the most mysterious. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Those they dated to be in like 8,000 BC, maybe those structures, and then layer uh, one. Which I think is like one of the most interesting parts is um, all backfill. It's all this stuff they dug up. So in like 8,000 BC, they just filled everything in. Yeah. So like now filled it they in. filled in all three layers. I mean, all, all three of these things. Just cover the whole thing over. Yeah. Yeah. They filled everything in. Or somebody filled everything in. Maybe the original owners didn't do it. Yeah. You know, that's, and this is kind of one of the most mysterious parts of like, why would you do that? You know, I mean, they're I build a mini mall. Yeah, <laughs> I could actually, I could actually think of a couple of reasons why. It's just really interesting. They think that they brought in filler from other places. That it's not like the filling that they dug out of these 
places. So it's not the, the scrap it's not from the just stones like that they scrap. carved up. Yeah, and it's not like, because, you know, these are all, all of these spaces are like in the earth a little bit, mm-hmm. all of these structures. Um, so it's not like the stuff they pulled out of these holes that they dug to build in. It's like stuff from kind of far away, so it seems. Have they actually like taken samples of some of this stuff and gone around and done geological surveys to see if they can figure out where it came from? Yeah, and they found debris from up to like a hundred miles away. Hmm, interesting. Um, so that, you know, that supports some theories that people have about these, but it's, it's, it wasn't intentional. It was intentional that they filled this in. It it's was not very, like erosion buried. Yeah. And it, it seems to have been a really peaceful filling, if that makes sense. That like, if it was a group that wasn't the group that was in charge of this place or that built this place, they were very respectful of it. Mm-hmm. They took the time to really fill it in and try and make sure that all the stones were filled in really well, almost as if they were preserving it. Uh-huh. Which is really interesting. Um, or afraid of it. Uh, yeah, maybe. You know, it's. I just think it's a really interesting given where we were and the like. Again, the, you know, I'm going to say stage of evolution. Yeah, I'm going to say that, of man. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to use the the term currently accepted <laughs> because I think that this the big interesting part of this is that it may force us to reconsider how human evolution happened yeah. and when it happened. Which, by the way, we probably ought to be doing all the time because yeah. new evidence pops up <laughs> yeah. all, all the time. Yeah. So. So, no, it doesn't. Not according to my science book from fifth grade. It's the oh, same. It's always yeah, that's the right. same. So the, um, they've only excavated like 5%, they think, of this structure. Ah, so there's a lot to go. There's a lot to go. Mm. So there may be more stuff that we find. Including alien artifacts. How, how long have they been digging this thing up? Um, so they found it in 95, uh, and I don't think they started digging it up until a couple years after that, and it's been kind of touch and go and as far as them actually, people actually excavating it. But, a, oh. I mean, you know, more than five years. Yeah, yeah they, well, uh, and, and if it's in Turkey, you got to uh, think, okay, well, if we think about we always see those TV shows where, let's say, it's somewhere in Egypt, and they're, they're rapidly digging everything up, and the one thing that nobody ever talks uh-huh. about, usually they can't excavate all year long Mm -hmm. because in the summer in anywhere that's in this part of the world it's super hot yeah true that and i know that in turkey turkey gets cold in the winter too cold and rainy so you can't dig up so i'm guessing best six months a year they can dig up and don't forget like you know archaeologists they can't just go in there with a pickaxe and a shovel they they usually work with a a plastic spoon from mcdonald's and a toothbrush (laughs) it's about the size of what they they sort of go like you know and then they stop and make notes in their notebook and well and on on top of that since they found that like this was intentionally backfilled you know, often mm-hmm. in archaeological sites like this, if they're, if you know it's like these big monolithic stones, you can kind of just like, you don't totally discard what you're finding. But you don't have to worry about But you don't really have to worry so much about that. And like this, they're saying, well, like this is part of it. We have to preserve literally every bit of rock that comes out of this place just mm-hmm. to, you know, see if we can find out any information from any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so archaeology has changed since the days of Indiana Jones. Yeah, totally just went has. to the temple and grabbed the most valuable items and ran out. But- <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> what a bummer. Yeah. yeah. They've radiocarbon dated this place. And, you know, people are just really astounded that it exists. I mean, conservative estimates put the invention of the wheel... Um, 2,000 years after 
the building of this place. Okay. You know, I've seen these images of people like using logs and they're like rolling these stones along. But, you know, and I don't know, I don't know when people figured out that that worked. I think that the, probably the first time somebody stepped on a round rock and, split, <laughs> and slid up and slid. The wheel was probably invented and then lost and invented and lost you know, sure. many times during human history. Yeah. Wait, okay. So, so I don't know that. I- how old did they say this is? 10,000 10, BC, so 11 to 12,000 years old. Okay. They've estimated it would have taken 500 men per pillar to move it from the quarry. To You're talking about just lifting and just carrying? Just lifting and carrying or pushing again. I mean, you know, it's like 50 you can't, tons. A 20-foot-long rock, good luck getting 500 men underneath it. I yeah, mean, like uh, it's just, I mean, it's it is a giant project and... You know, we're still in our hunter-gatherer phase. We're not really starting with big tribes or anything like that Mm -hmm. for, you know, that many people to have worked towards something that wasn't necessary for survival is kind of mind-boggling in a way. Kind of is, yeah. You know, it makes you wonder, too, if they actually had domesticated some beasts of burden. Yeah, they and I don't still think there's any record. Of, yeah, I just think you know the thing. One of the things that makes this place so interesting is that you know, yeah, it's a massive amount of work, but people aren't really like, well, it's totally unreasonable that people could have moved those stones. You know, we're not talking about Stonehenge where we're like, well, how did they get them on top of there? You know, like that's okay. Those are big stones, and people moved them, and you know, whatever, and that's a mystery in and of itself, but. We can understand how people could have moved these, but that's, like, more people than we thought, like, would have been together in a spot working towards a common goal. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Than, you mean. know, and, and you know, we think of these people as, like, kind of figuring out how, like, the bow and arrow works, but not really concerned about their spiritual well-being, right? So that's, you know, another part of it is that if it were clearly a place where you know everybody was hunting people and or hunting animals and you know it was a survival mm-hmm. place it would make more sense but it's it doesn't seem to be that and so that's really astounding it, it, it is but here's here's the thing that bothers me whenever we're looking at a monolithic site okay uh, so we always say that it is X number of years old. And that is always based on radiocarbon dating. Yeah. The thing that bothers me, and, and I think I mentioned this to you guys before, is when we've done monolithic sites, is something never I, I could never wrap my head around. I finally figured out what it is, which is my problem is is that Carbon dating can only be done to biological material. Uh-huh. So if it's a stone, mm-hmm. we can't carbon date it because it's eons old because it's a hunk of the earth. Sure. So all we can do is whatever organic material we find at the site is what we can base our dates upon. Sure. The reason that we can't do it on anything but organic material is because the way carbon dating works mm-hmm. is we all have carbon in us. I mean, we're carbon-based mm-hmm. life forms. Yeah. Aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but we all have carbon-12 in us, but there is what's called carbon-14, which is 
present in all of us, but in mm. very small amounts. And carbon-14 has this half-life of 5,700 and some odd years, basically 5,800 years. Okay. And that's its half-life. So they know the approximate amount of carbon-14 that's in the air or in the atmosphere and in plants at that time. So they know how much should be there, and then they do the math from there, how much of it is broken down. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's that makes sense, but then if we're going into a site that's all stone... There's not a lot of biological material left over, and especially on a site like this where it's been backfilled, Mm -hmm. I've got to – and not that I don't recognize how phenomenal the site is, but I've got to ask – how sure are we of this number? Because these pieces of material that we're dating, which there's not a whole lot of it, it, it sounds like, that mm-hmm. they're finding, mm-hmm. if it's backfilled and they're digging up somewhere else to cart material in, mm-hmm. well, that could be older material that's in the ground, older organic material that's already been breaking down for God knows how long. Sure. This is true. transferred in. So but, this is the one – I mean, it makes me question the whole date. I am Sure. It's yeah. amazing if it's as old as they say it are, but mm-hmm. I, I wonder. Yeah, yeah. That, but you know, you uh, I know that um, from my own experience, like, like say if you get, you know, you know about my um, pile of concrete slabs in my driveway. Yes. Keeping organic material out of that is hard. So if they if they chiseled up all this rock or busted up all this rock from somewhere else and transported it to the site and dumped it in, it's almost a certainty that some leaves and stuff like that would get in there, mm-hmm. you know, and so maybe that's what they're basing their dating on. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. Well, yeah, again, but, but it could be it could be that they mm-hmm. went down the other side of the hill and they started digging a hole mm-hmm. to they, dig they, up dirt. And they dug up some old and stuff. And they dug up some old stuff. So that's I, always I'm possible, not, too. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not saying that the age is wrong. I'm just, I, I have a hard time swallowing it, knowing that there's this, bit of an issue when it comes to monolithic sites. That's fair. And, you know, I uh, didn't do any research on that because literally everyone I've read about on this, and they're all like pretty impressive accredited scientists Mm -hmm. and archaeologists, have also not had a problem with the carbon dating. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, when I was doing my research, I've just kind of been taking it on faith that like if this were an issue, if they really had questions about it, somebody would have brought it up. Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't seem to be the case. I mean, if anything, people are saying it's probably older than this carbon dating is saying it is, which is, you know, an interesting thing in and of itself. But it seems that when people are saying, oh, it's, you know, 1200 or 12,000 years old that it's a kind of a conservative estimate. Yeah, yeah and, and it could very well be. It could also be that because they're all involved in the project, they're all drinking the Kool-Aid to use the old term. That's yeah, true. So I'm a little, not- little hurt thinking. I, I mean, I, I would have to actually like talk to one of these guys and find out their methodology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if they're, yeah, if they're, right. if they're excavating yeah. all this stuff, I mean, if you, if you pluck some piece of debris out of there and radiocarbon date it, well, that's a little sketchy. If... What you're doing is is getting every little bit or from all over the place, you know, of varying depths and, every, and varying locations, and you're pretty much getting the same reading. That's that would be to me an indication that probably they're getting an accurate estimate. Yeah, um, yeah and again, and I never be, saw yeah. how much material they were finding, other than I, yeah, I have no some idea. stuff that said that it was a lot. Yeah, you got to you got to kind of hope these guys are actually know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. I, we're taking I a little bit of really, stuff on faith here. I would really yeah. hope that yeah, they were doing it. a lot. Yeah. yeah. From BBC Radio Four, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my god. 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. The there's one lead archaeologist on this thing, and his team are the the team that's working on it. Mm-hmm. But everybody else who does writing about it isn't actually like a part of the excavation of this project. Got it. So they're all kind of independent. It's essentially being peer reviewed as reporting and peer reviewing. Yeah. Okay. Um. So as far as I can tell, nobody really has the problem a problem with this. What, and, and I don't know. It, it just. One of those things that always crops up. No, that's totally when I, fair. When I think about these things, it always. Well, there have been there have been some some pretty big errors in the past in carbon dating. You know, there yeah. there have been. So I mean, it's it's a it's a reasonable issue to bring up. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right, so let's. So we, we've got some theory. I'm assuming you've got theories. We have a co- just a few theories. Oh, the theories yeah. about I note what? The sarcasm about, in your voice. about why they did it or how how it was done. Um, why they did it mostly. Okay. The the how it's done. Pretty is, obvious. They chiseled it and stood it up. I guess. I mean, there's not really a lot of theories on it. I okay. mean, we'll talk about some stuff maybe, but uh, I mean, most of the stuff is, you know, it's it's. The mystery of how they did it is kind mm. of. I think at this point, people just accept that it means that we have to reevaluate. Yeah, they how probably capable prehistoric humans were. Which they is probably what you were before. Yeah, okay. We're able to actually, you know, actually make metals, yeah. you know, like bronze at least. But uh, so uh, let me let me ask you this. Sorry if I'm jumping ahead or anything, but have they found the place where these stones were quarried from? Yes, they have. And they were quarried in, uh, quote, Neolithic times, which is mm. like this time, but also in more classical times. Um, they found big gashes in the earth where they thought the big stones were probably taken from. Um, but they, I can't find any information on like where this mm. quarry is. It's close. Right. Yeah. It's pretty close. It's, they call it the plateau. Well, have, again, if you right think there. about it, they may not, if this, if they're still doing all this research, there may be a certain amount of information that you want to hold back so that not every Tom, Dick, and Harry runs out there to check it out and take their own piece of the rock and say, look, this was carved by, you know, man, 10,000 years ago and destroy a site mm. on it. Yeah, so they. There's that. But, but also, I, I, I mean, I suppose. What I was curious about was whether there were any unfinished T-shaped slabs no. or anything like that. But, no. but but now that I think about it, I suppose that those quarries probably would have been use. in use yeah, for there's thousands a mention, of years afterwards. There's a mention of them, of uh, the Romans quarrying some of it for like watchtowers and mm-hmm. stuff. So it's been, I mean, it's been in use for, you know, ah. a long time afterwards. Quite um, a long time, yeah. So, you know, again, they have these like big trenches, they think. This is probably where this rock came from, but they don't actually know Got about it. any of that. Okay. So, all right, ready to get some theories in here? Heck Ooh, yeah! Theories right on. Theories up in here. Okay. Are there the any first, aliens, uh, by the way? Yes. Cool. The first theory. So it's a temple. 
like a normal human temple. That's a good theory. It's a pretty good theory, right? Yeah. So most scientists agree this is probably the first example of what's called a cathedral on the hill, which would have been the first place that people would have taken pilgrimages to. Mm. So this is interesting for a lot of reasons. They've found a lot of butchered bones and artifacts in this area that shouldn't be around for like 100 miles, mm-hmm. which you know, kind of suggests that people came from a distance. What kind of things. artifacts? Like beer cans? No, like um, like plant materials and. Well, if if it's if it's a bu- if it's butchered bones, that means it's animal carcasses that you yeah, know they were either either doing sacrifices or they were chowing down. Well, right, which that would actually that would actually you know discredit my concern about the carbon dating because if it's animal bones, you can carbon date the heck out of those. It's so, not but, just animal bones. Well, Uh-oh. bones, but it's bones. Yeah, there's lots of bones. Um, they think. It was a cult of the dead type of a place, which is um, instead of worshiping gods or anything like that, you bring your dead to this place, probably like wrapped in like, you know, shrouds it's or something It's a giant like burial that. site. Basically, yeah. And then the, animals, the animals would um, just watch over the, their, your ancestors. The animals dead guard, guard their souls yeah, the carved animals. Yeah, the carved animals. The problem with this is they haven't found any tombs. They found a lot of bones, like sacrificed bones. Of uh, animal and human. Oh, so, and humans, right? But they mm-hmm. haven't found any tombs, anything that looks like an intentional burying of dead people, which cl- it's been clearly documented that, you know, thousands of years prior to this, Cro-Magnon Man, Homo sapiens all started uh, burying their dead in like a field position. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. like, the, we've already had that in our history. So the the problem with the idea of a tomb situation is they haven't found any tombs. The whole whole problem with that theory, too, is that it's dangerous to be around a rotting corpse for very long, especially back in those days. Yeah. Um, So I think that uh, people probably would have buried their dead and maybe made a pilgrimage later on to pay respect to them at this place. Yeah. So there are a couple other really interesting things that happened like near this site. One of them is that really close to this area, geneticists have traced the first like DNA of domesticated wheat to this area, like within 20 miles of this hill. So that would have been like the first instance of agriculture in our history. So yeah, an indication that there was uh, some sort of civilization actually. That there was some kind of shift in societal norms happening here. This is really the first place that you see that happen. Um, There's also kind of some speculation that it's the first accounts of animal husbandry. One of the things they talk about a lot is that up until now, in like the paintings that you see, the cave paintings, stuff like that, any animal that's depicted is pretty much depicted in a state of like either attacking somebody or being attacked by somebody. So as in like a hunter-gatherer society. It's in the hunt. Yeah, it's in the hunt or, you know, they're hunting you or you're hunting it. And this is the first instance of animals being depicted, even predatory animals. Like, you know, we said one of those reliefs looks just like a jaguar or something. Mm -hmm. Animals that are traditionally, you know, against us being depicted in just like a normal passive state. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also kind of interesting. So they're talking about this maybe being the first instance of domesticated animals in this kind of situation, or at least a shift in thinking towards what animals might be for us, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There could be allies, not just enemies or food. Yeah. 
And and again, this is one of those those things in this story that that got me thinking about how we look at this stuff. Mm-hmm. Because I'll be honest, I, I remember looking one of the photos, and the photo said, "This is a fox," and I looked at it. And I thought that's a big ugly lizard. Uh huh. It it didn't look like a fox to I, me. I thought it looked like a rock. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and that's really an interesting thing too. Well, but so it, what it got me thinking though is that from our point of view today, mm-hmm. because of the way that information goes, we know what just about every critter in the world looks like. Mm-hmm. But at that time, they didn't. Mm-hmm. So. They may have been trying to depict something else, whether it be, you know, I, in the dark, I saw this thing and it's this mythological whatever that they've built a something around, a story mm-hmm. around. But to us, we're going, oh, it's a cute little fox. I totally get it. You well, know, we're it's, projecting it's a, a little we're bit. Projecting, yeah, yeah. It's exactly the word I'm looking for is we're projecting what we know onto it. Yeah. And we can talk a little bit about that. Um, I have some stuff to say about Perfect. that a little okay, bit. Okay, great. Um, but it's true that there are, there are carvings of animals that, like, you look at and you're like, what? That doesn't exist in Turkey, and it never has. Hmm. And it's you know fairly clearly an animal. Like, anyways, we'll get into that. Okay, later. all right, yeah. So, sorry, I didn't mean to jump ahead. No, 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 that's totally fine. Um, so one of the other things is that um, a, a, a lot of people are saying these are depictions of gods, which is kind of a problem because it's five thousand years too early. Although it's the same place, Mesopotamia, mm-hmm. right? The Fertile Crescent. It's too early for what? Gods? It's too early for gods. Why? It's too early for gods. Um, this is the first time, I mean, the the fully formed depiction of a god that sits in the sky. We've had idols, mm-hmm. right? And we've had uh, ancestors before then, but not gods. It's a really big anthropological, like, discussion um, mm-hmm. that happens. But essentially, five about 5,000 years later in Mesopotamia, we see the first instance of gods. So when you say it's too early for gods, what you're saying is that we don't have any record of people recording these beings that they're worshiping. Is that or what you any, mean? Or any implication that they are worshiping anything. Okay. There's been a cult of the dead for a long time as like a reverence to your ancestors. There's some, you know, using of idols sort of... You know, recognizing that there are things that are bigger than us, but like a fully formed idea of like a god, like an omnipotent sort of another being, being above us, a being right. above us that maybe created us, a creator situation mm-hmm. that apparently doesn't exist until much later. Uh, how do they so, know this? Again, just, <laughs> just what's available in the this, record. Radiocarbon you know, dating. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. Um, so there's a kind of a sub theory on this, and that's the Orion sub theory. It basically says that... Um, and this is Orion, the constellation, the, I assume? The constellation, yeah. And there's a lot of discussion that we'll talk about later that every monolithic stone thing from the past ages was to Orion. Okay, fine. You know, mm. fine. But Orion is pretty prevalent in the sky, especially at this time of our of our of planet's history. Yeah. So they talk about what we were talking about a little bit earlier with the arms and... Um, there's a there are some of the carvings that have like belts like really uh-huh. clear belts on them 
Um, Something that's ornate that, that looks like a bell. That okay. looks like a bell, yeah. I'll, I'll run with that. Yeah, but so if they were modeling it after Orion's belt, wouldn't it just be three dots? Yeah, because they wouldn't have belts like us. I know. Yeah, I know. So the, this is the thing this is that is, like... That looked like a coach belt. Yeah, I mean, so like even the people who are kind of making this claim feel like it's a really weak theory right well, now. Well, I... Yeah, it's kind say. of like an idea Ooh. they're throwing out there, and I, you know, it seems to be in the really early stages, and they're kind of saying, "Well, it, you know, we could see it being this, but we don't really know. We don't really have any good information on it yet, so we're just gonna like throw it out there. And if people connect the dots for us, great. If we continue to find information that connects the dots, great. But That's a great pun. Connect the dots. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. The problem I have with this theory is that. We we know Orion, the constellation, as Orion the Hunter. That's, uh-huh. That doesn't mean the people 12,000 years ago would have looked at that pat, that bunch of stars and, and said, oh, wow, check it out, it's a hunter. Yeah, it's a human. I mean, there's no reason to think. I mean, if you look at most constellations, they don't look anything like what they're supposed to they're represent. So, I agree. It's, very, it's a very loose translation. It's, extre- it's yeah. extremely loose. I mean, yeah. yeah, and there's no reason to believe that anybody would have interpreted um, Orion, the constellation, as even being a humanoid, much less being a hunter. Yeah, I yeah. mean, there's a lot of historic references to yeah. Ryan being a hunter, I mean, you know, from yeah. the Greeks, the Romans, Mesopotamia, fine. Yeah. But again, that that's mean all it goes like back much. This far. Yeah, I mean, so maybe, but it, but it might. Well, maybe, we, maybe. We don't know. So, Joe, the yeah. next uh, theory is for you. What? Chupacabra? Ancient, ancient aliens. Oh, no, even better. Yeah, even better. So, of course, I mean, of course, this is a theory, right? I mean, of course it is. Who didn't see this coming? Uh, you know, it's a theory for Stonehenge because people can't figure out how Stonehenge was made, and that's like Every six or seven thousand years monolith. later. Yeah. Aliens. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course it is. And, you know, I think it does go a little bit to- towards Joe's question of like, well, how? I personally choose to believe that it's totally possible that humans made this stuff at that point in time. I don't think it's outrageous to think of, but I do understand that a lot of people have a hard time. Without steel tools, it'd be awfully hard to quarry stone. Sure. (laughs) It really would be, but, uh, or at least, at least copper or bronze or something. Yeah. So, you know, one of the big, uh, selling points of this theory is that as Joe mentioned, they haven't found any stone carving tools in the site. Mm-hmm. Which I think to a lot of people is like really, really like, oh my gosh, it, it was aliens. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, all signs point to the making and then like very frequent use of this place. Right. Right. So like, I guess they if wouldn't you go leave into tools a, laying around for right, hundred like, years. Like if you go yeah. to a modern church and you're like, oh man, there's so much ornate stuff in here, but and I, I don't can't see any find, tools on the floor. I can't find a, you know, <laughs> I know how I know. they plated this gold in this place. Oh, it must be aliens. You know, mm, I, for me, that yeah. doesn't really hold water. The other thing to think of, okay, well, well, it's is that if this is as old as they say, you know how one of the easy ways that you can break rock apart is with another rock. Uh huh. So you take two rocks and you start beating them against each other, and eventually they're both gonna crumble. Mm-hmm. So, but not in a my tool gives way. Yeah, the, the only problem I have with that theory is, is it's great for for sort of breaking a rock down into smaller pieces, but. If you look at some of the carvings, those look like they had to have been done with more precise tools and just banging yeah, rock Yeah, but to on be it. fair, we yeah. are in the Stone Age. I mean, like, yeah. we're in the Stone Age, but we're in the Stone Age. So, you know, we do kind of know how to work rock. I mean, yeah. we find some other idols that are carved. Not, I mean, this is, is an incredible detail amount, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I yeah. guess... 
I'm well, not it's the so... same thing as looking at, uh, you know, the obsidian arrowheads that we see from mm. Native Americans and, mm-hmm. and other cultures. Yeah. Those things are beautiful in their own right, and they're all very precisely done. Mm-hmm. With a rock. Yeah. yeah. It's one rock against another. Yeah. yeah. Knowing exactly how a rock breaks isn't that technical once you've done it a couple hundred, couple thousand times. You just yeah. keep breaking it. Oh, okay. Well, now I kind of understand how this is going to break apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they could have made tools also out of obsidian. They could have, yeah. like, you know, they could have yeah. made carving tools out of obsidian and not had to have bronze or copper mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. It just means that, you know, you're going to be spending a hell of a lot of time carving out your T shaped rock from the quarry. Yeah. I mean, so I, that, you know, again, it's like, well, that might have been, <laughs> you know, I mean, thinking back to those times, you know, think about this, you know, your grandfather actually started working. Working on quarrying this T-shaped rock, you know, and and you're like down there. Okay, we're getting close to done here, you know. <laughs> and mm-hmm. something, yeah, I mean, it's it's still not yeah. quite quarried out. Yeah, it it's uh, it's it. That's a big mystery for sure, and I think that that really helps to explain why people are so prone to going to something like ancient aliens because it makes much more sense to a lot of people to say, oh yeah, they use plasma cutting tools. Yeah, the aliens gave us a laser yeah. and we cut it apart with that. Then we yeah. carved it by hand from there. I know yeah. we sort of chipped it up so to make it look like it <laughs> yeah. like quarried by ancient man instead yeah. of cut out of the rock by alien plasma. Yeah. yeah. So there, as you know, Steve was kind of saying a little bit, This the next like part of this is a little more solid to me. Um, you see things in these carvings like geese. And they're pretty clearly geese. I mean, you look at it and you're like, that's definitely a goose. Uh, which never existed in Turkey, nor do they have any records of it ever having existed in Turkey. Okay. So people talk about, like, well, it was aliens, because aliens were like, hey, carve a thing that looks like this. That exists a lot in the world. I, I think that actually feeds, like, a, a theory that I have a little later, a little better than the ancient alien theory, but that it seems to get kind of, like, clumped in there with the aliens well again uh, you know let's 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 not say that it's a goose per se but if you see birds flying around all the time there are birds that have big bodies and there are birds that have long necks and big wings and there's all kinds of birds around that are like that Mm -hmm. that aren't necessarily geese precisely so it could be that it was some indigenous bird that has died out or was hunted out or God knows it was might have been the dodo for all I know. But you know, it actually, you know, it could be also that the aliens look like geese. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. It's true. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I, I don't want to belabor this too much. I'm just saying that I, I don't buy that it's goose. That's fair. I think, you know, there are more, in, there are other instances, but again, you know, like we don't a hundred percent know like what was there then. True. You know, so maybe there but were. But we don't things. know what wasn't there. Yeah. Which wouldn't yeah, be the, saying, well, uh, there's not geese in that area. The, yeah. uh, the whole, yeah, the whole Middle East being the cradle of civilization and everything was uh, subjected to quite a bit of environmental abuse and oh, yeah. it used to be forest land and grassland and now it's basically a desert because yeah, humans, that's what they... you know, overused it. Oh, totally. And so I'm sure there were a lot more animals living there back in the, back in the day. Yeah. So that's one today. of the things they talk about is that like this. This would have been a really beautiful place, this hill. Mm. It would have looked over like this really beautiful, like paradise land. And, you know, the Black Sea was like way higher. And there was this ice thing that was like a couple thousand miles away that really like it just it was beautiful. Apparently, it was a paradise. It was. It was a paradise. So the next theory that I want to talk about. 
because we're on crazy theories right now. Woo! Is that there? <laughs> Robert M. Schotch is probably how you pronounce that. He's a Scotch. Um, who who knows? He's um, an associate professor of natural sciences at the College of General Studies. I love that a, name, the College of General Studies. It is a two-year non-degree granting unit of the Boston University. So take this with a grain of salt. Says I could have got in there. Says yeah, that. me too. Wouldn't that be embarrassing to have a degree from those guys? Except you yeah. can't get a degree. Well, Dad, I was accepted. Where? Oh, you're not going there. No. You're not going there. No. We're not paying for that. Um. So he thinks that there's a, a connection with the Easter Island. And also um, he thinks that Stone, Stonehenge is also connected. He thinks basically like every single monolithic prehistoric site is all connected, that they were all built at the same time, uh, including the pyramids. And they're all built at the same time by whom? Aliens? Oh, well, so he comes in with like a theory that I'm going to talk about next. That is, uh, yeah, he's, he, he kind of partners with this other guy at this other theory. We're, we're in the crazy theories, guys. We're in the crazies. All right. So we're, we're deep down in the bottom. Deep in the crazies. So he's quoted as saying, both the Moai and the anthropomorphic central pillars of Gobeke Tepe have arms and hands positioned similarly against the body with hands and fingers extended over the belly and navel region. The Moai are looking at the sky, and I believe the Gobeke Tepe pil- pillars are also looking towards the skies. Are they looking at f- identical phenomenon? Oh, my God. <gasps> Flying saucers? So he thinks that there are these things called plasma events. Which is a thing that we have on Earth. It's a real thing. You're talking um, about a solar flare, correct? Uh, yeah, essentially. It's, we see a lot of as lightning or like aurora borealis. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently, uh, they used to be way more frequent and they would have been way more apparent. Wait, wait, what? Why would they have been more frequent? Well, so I guess this like a little bit makes sense to me that like the sun was still settled. I mean, this is a long time ago. And yeah, it's like a long time after the creation of the universe, but it's still a long time ago. Um, and the sun was a little more volatile, apparently. You know, I say, you know, in, in terms of, of the history of the sun, though, I mean, 12,000 years ago is basically this basically a blink of an eye. basically like late this morning or yeah. something like not even late this morning. It was like it was like maybe six o'clock. You know? so for I mean, whatever so, reason, the sun was more like volatile in well, that period. Okay. Ostensibly, this is again. This is just what I could find on this theory from this dude. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not saying that it's right or wrong, but apparently they were more. He also said. So there's um, more solar flares, is what I'm getting. Yeah, I guess it's, it's entirely possible the sun did go through a period of, of like a lot of intense solar flares. Like you, yeah. you've heard about the Carrington event, correct? Uh, I think it was 1856. Uh, the I sun, remember this. Yeah, the sun, the sun, like spewed out a huge solar flare which hit the Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, we should be gearing up for another one because it's going to happen again sooner or later. But this big solar flare hits the planet and basically uh, a lot of aurora borealis type stuff mm-hmm. in the sky. But it also fried what we what little we had in terms of electronic sound was basically was maybe telegraph lines. Mm. But telegraph offices caught on fire and, and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. our crude infrastructure was was kind of des- kind of destroyed. Yeah, uh, and so imagine what would happen today. Yeah, those things hit. So, really, so, so that's a possibility. It's a lot, it's a lot of solar activity. Solar that is then hitting our atmosphere, yeah. causing yeah. things yeah. In, over a period of, I'm guessing, hundreds of years. There's a lot of it going on to, to I guess. encourage this kind of yeah. activity. It would so, have to go on for a while, yeah. The um, There's this other guy named 
Anthony Perrot, and he's a Los Alamos plasma physicist. And they apparently have established that there are some petroglyphs that have been found worldwide that record a really intense plasma event or events in prehistory. Uh, he's determined that powerful plasma phenomenon observed in the skies take on characteristic shapes resembling humanoid figures and humans with bird heads, sets of rings or donut shapes, and writhing snakes or serpents. Uh-huh. I'm not buying that. Which are just... Yeah. Can yeah. I say projection once again? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. you totally can. So they they also address the backfill. This is the only theory that really addresses the backfill. Oh, okay, okay. I'm, I'm game for this. So basically they say, you know, there were roofs on there. They say they backfilled it. So that they would be protected from the plasma events. So they built okay, these. Okay, I'm they not built on board these, with that. Yeah, they built these things uh, because of some, for some reason, the plasma. Because they events. saw it in the sky and they and they decided spent to build these hundreds structures. of years quarrying rocks that were like and super, hide from it. And then yeah. they decided to like fill them in to protect them from those same things that they built them for. Yeah, because they understood yeah. that it was radiation and that if you were underground, you could have a fallout shelter. Yeah, uh, yeah, there you go. yeah. Okay, well, so I just don't, I, was, I, don't, I was on board with that right silly. up until that point. No, I don't like that theory. So to go along with this theory, there's another theory. It's called the third party theory. It's been developed by this man named Graham Hancock. He's a mother culture proponent, and according to his Wikipedia site, he specializes in, quote, unconventional theories. What is mother culture? So it's this theory. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I didn't know if it was something different. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. No, but it's, it's all the same. All right. Um. So as it pertains to, like, Golbeke Tepe, but it also pertains to, like, a lot of basically everything that this other guy was saying. They're all connected. This guy says... Um, that there's this long forgotten third like branch of humanity that evolved way faster than we did and did all of this stuff mm-hmm. and then was just wiped out 10,000 years ago okay. and we forgot about them. Okay. And they built this thing. That makes right. sense, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, I feel really bad. Okay. Because when I was reading this and everybody was saying, well, man wasn't evolved enough. I started looking in and wondering, well, when did the Cro-Mags go away? Mm-hmm. Well, the Cro-Mags went away 30,000 years ago, so mm-hmm. it couldn't have been them. Mm-hmm. So then I was thinking, well, maybe it was some culture. I didn't necessarily think that it was some offshoot of humanity in terms of another Homo sapien line. Mm-hmm. But what if it was some culture that was isolated from all their hunter-gatherer warring neighbors for mm-hmm. whatever reason, they start to move along and evolve and use tools and do these things, become really peaceful, mm-hmm. and they can, you know, they can cultivate grain and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they build the whole thing, and then everybody finds them. Sure. But and- they're peaceful, so everybody else is going, you're freaking me out. I'm going to hit you with my axe because that's what I do to things that freak me out. Mm-hmm. But, but uh- So we're talking about for this one site, right? Because this theory pertains to literally every monolithic oh, prehistoric site. See, I'm site. saying just – I'm just saying go back A. Okay. And I'm willing to like a little bit get on board with you on that. As far as if we're saying it's just this one thing. But he says even the pyramids were built at the same time as all this other stuff because it looks like there was rain damage to it. And the only time that Egypt has ever had rain that much was in 10,000 years ago. So obviously Mm. they were built 10,000 years ago. 
along with the Moai at Easter Island, along with all of the stuff down in South America, all of the, oh, wait, nothing in North America because we're not special. You know, so he says it's like all of these were created by this like mother culture, Mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people kind of attribute to the ancient aliens. And the mother culture. So the mother culture was uh, basically all over the world. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a a offshoot, not humans, but an offshoot of humanity mm-hmm. yeah. that spread and then died for some reason. Yep, and yeah. disappeared. And didn't look any different from us on a bone structure level, mm-hmm. so we can't or a DNA them. level or anything like that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But if they were that sophisticated, they should have left a lot more ruins. Yep. Yeah. So, well, no, um, they they were they were using the uh, those awesome skimmers that you get from the aliens. Oh yeah. yeah. And so uh, what was uh, what was the move? It was the Flash Gordon skimmers. Yeah. So they were jumping for all over the world and then rebuilding their new building their new sites. That's what it is. They That's had Flash totally Gordon wake runners of the sky. You're right. Yeah. Gotta okay. be what it is. Okay. Yeah. So now we're gonna go. Sorry if you believe in aliens. I just yeah. sound like a total anyway, jerk there. Oh, and I no. Anyway, now to address that your theory that these guys that built Gobekli uh, Tepe were a peaceful culture, that's just highly unlikely. I mean, you know, they were like, you know, it's it's kind of like if you're a rabbit and you're in the woods, living in the woods, and, and you decide you and your you and your bus of rabbits decide, hey, you know, we're not going to sweat this whole predator thing. We're just going to like, you know, go out and, and eat our grass and just pretend like they don't. I mean, the whole thing. I mean, man lived in this environment of scarcity and conflict and warfare. I mean, that's our history. That's how it's, it's in our DNA. So the idea of a peaceful culture somehow popping up is like. Kind of hard to believe. Well, but you could, I mean, I mean maybe, maybe on an island could be, somewhere. They could be isolated because if you think about, if you ever looked at the maps, and again, this is something that I saw, let's say, in uh, the Cro-Magnon Man, is if you look at where Cro-Magnon Man was, and then you look where Homo, Homo sapiens started, and then how we encroached in, mm-hmm. it might have been that these guys were just kind of in a pocket. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, have you ever been in the woods and you came across something and you realize that there's an old tractor parked there that's probably been there for 50 or 70 years and nobody's messed with it? It's just kind of a random spot. Mm-hmm. It could be that they were just in a lucky zone that nobody had gone to for whatever reason. I mean, it's plausible. I'm not saying yeah. that's what it is, but I, I, I think yeah. it's plausible that a group of people could live in an area for an extended period of time and never be found. I mean, we are finding people in South America today still that still have no clue who the hell we are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but but you know, again, and that, and that's possible, but those cultures aren't going to be in, in, by any sense advanced because if in any culture that's that isolated where it's just a small pocket of people off somewhere, they're, you know, with, in isolation from the rest of humanity with no trading back and forth of ideas and stuff, then you simply don't advance. This was the prehistoric engineers. It was a group of engineers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It could have been. Drop back in time. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, no, no, I'm, you, I'm, no, I'm no. making fun. That's a, that's a good point, though. It might be, it might be that... Uh, and this might be the, the they might have been predisposed to you know figuring things out like that rather than just going with the status quo. That's, yeah, that's well, all and this, I want and to this, say. And this, well, and it could, you know, imagine this how this ties in with say the Adam and Eve legend. Um, say these two really, really hyper intelligent people somehow find each other, copulate, have children, start a little tribe of very smart people, and they do actually wind up doing all kinds of amazing things. We're going to talk about that. Actually. Oh, are we? I mean, kind okay. of a little bit. 
Yeah, so we're going to talk about that because we have arrived at the biblical theories. So there's, I guess, we'll just go. We'll just go into it, and then we'll have the discussions as we go. Dun dun dun! That noise exactly. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So the first one is a Noah's Ark theory. No, I think it's totally fair. I mean, I think it's a pretty easy leap to make, right? I mean, it's like this large, huge collection of animals from a prehistoric time, from what a lot of people identify as a biblical time, right? In the, in the biblical land. Okay. All right. I can kind of see how... This is, again, getting back to the variety of animals that are carved in the stone. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So this this is where this theory is being lent from. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Just, just so I get my frame of reference. So it's, you know, like a lot of animals, a lot of animals that probably aren't really from like around there as far as we can tell. And again, who knows what was there, what wasn't, how much we're projecting, you know, fine, whatever. And Gobekli Tepe is like 350 miles from where biblical scholars are pretty sure that Noah's Ark would have ended up. You know, if you kind of look at the Bible stories as parables, kind of accepting this place as a place that everybody was like, oh, hey, that totally existed. Uh, you know, there are a lot of problems with this theory. It's not It's not a really sound theory. Okay, wait. So in, in and it's been a long time since I've read the Bible, uh-huh. and I will admit this. Uh, where, was, where was Noah from? Was he from... Haran or You know what? As far as I can tell, he was from Mesopotamia Are at you large. Sure? The, the, the the general area. <laughs> I mean, I think I don't I it's also been a while for me, I'll okay. be honest with you. And I don't recall it being in my research, I didn't see anything where they were like, and he was from here, so blah blah blah. I think the more important part of the whole story is like where he ended up. Now where he started. Okay. Because right. he was in the flood. I mean, like, are you kidding me? He was on this giant boat in the flood. That it went all over the world. The whole world, or maybe just the whole world. Maybe just the Black Sea. But, uh, but okay, like the whole world, it flooded, and then they ended up someplace. Which sounds way more interesting when you say it that way than that John Cusack movie about it. Yeah, I don't which I one never that? see that. You're talking about 2012? Yeah. Oh, that was so bad. <laughs> that was so bad. I never saw it. Okay. Um, anyway, so, so we're... Are they saying that that Noah's came to rest? His ship came to rest at Gobekli Tepe. I mean, you know, it's if you take it as like a most people kind of take those stories as parables at this point, right? Like Noah probably didn't really make a giant ark. It's not a factual recording. Yeah. So Uh that this would have been some sort of like representation of the ark, of the preserving of all of the species that were there Mm -hmm. at that time, which is a fair thing to say about it because essentially it may be a preserving. So somebody was like, it was kind of like a Smithsonian Institute or something. something Sort of, Kind of like just keeping like a recording of everything. Yeah. You mentioned Haran though Mm -hmm. and Ur is another big one. They're the two like big ones that everybody talks about and Haran they think is like 25 miles from Gobekli Tepe okay so they're, um, in the so they're really close. really close yeah really okay. close there are some problems with this one is that like Abraham was a pretty smart guy and he lived in Haran and he if this were a Noah's Ark situation I, the the theories get a little confused but like he would have known about this place but the flood happened after Abraham so he wouldn't have known about this place but Abraham definitely didn't exist in 10,000 BC 
Mm-hmm. And this place he would have been later than this that. place would have been long buried. And this place would have been long buried. So that's not so much of a problem for me, except that Bob Ballard did this expedition in the Black Sea, and he mm-hmm. found a bunch of stuff. A lot of really lot of stuff. amazing stuff that yeah. was, uh, it was mostly like flooded, uh, houses and stuff that people they would have lived underwater. in. They found, yeah. they found an old, they found old shorelines, old, basically. Yeah. Village, oh, basically. Villages yeah, okay. on shorelines. Yeah. And it's a, it's a it, really deep, the Black it, Sea is really deep. It, so. Yeah. But it used to be a lot smaller than it is. Yeah. It know? used to be way but, smaller than the ice cap, the whatever. Anyways, yeah. a flood actually happened in that area, but it happened in 5000 BC mm. and people kind of accept that that's what when like Noah's flood would have happened is 5,000 BC, uh, which is 5,000 years later yeah. than our little temple, yeah. which couldn't possibly be. So it sounds like it had nothing Noah's to do Ark. with it. So, okay. So this is a convenient, so again, this is a convenient marrying of two stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Okay. All so right. then the Let's next one is Joe was kind of hinting at earlier is that this is the historical site of the parabolistic Garden of Eden. How so? Okay, so most people, again, uh, accept that the Garden of Eden story is a parable. It's not an actual thing that happened, that, like, God didn't actually, like, reach out of the sky and... And from dirt, create one single man, and then from his rib, create one single woman. Most people kind of accept that it was uh, kind of the moment when we turned from the hunter-gatherer society into kind of a more agricultural society, kind of gained the knowledge of mm. right and wrong. Well, and that's and that's when we became, when when with the apple and everything, we became... Mm-hmm. The, the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, we be, we became more than animals. We became people Human. who were able to understand what our actions were all about. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you know, we couldn't just, I can't just like, you know, if I'm a, a wolf, I can go devour another creature. Well, I'm not a murderer. I'm just a wolf. Mm-hmm. If I'm a human being and I go kill another human being, well, I'm a murderer because I know better. And that's yeah. that's what it's all about. We've because created. you recognize that it's another person, and it's not yeah. just some prey. Item. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's like it's like, and and so the, the the whole gist of that is that is that that's our intelligence is also our curse. Yeah, that's the ancient wisdom of yeah. Adam and Eve in the Bible. Yeah, and I, you know, most people kind of accept that it was a thing that actually happened in human history. It was kind of an event. Mm. To add to this, the Bible has kind of like vague coordinates, like it's between two rivers for the actual. Wow, place where in the earth are there two rivers? Eden. Oh, like everywhere. Well, it, says which, it says which two rivers, and it kind of talks about the landmass. And previously, biblical historians had placed it within 50 miles of where Golbeke Tepe is. Mm. So that's really, I mean, like of all of the places in the okay, world, again, that's we're, really we're kind of falling pretty close to the pin. Yeah, I mean, and again, you know, like the Fertile Crescent, Mesopotamia. There's not a, like a whole. You kind of, you know, you put it up on the dartboard, and you're pretty close yeah, to it's everywhere. Pretty easy to, uh, you know, it's relatively close to everything. Um, people are kind of talking about it being like a geographical turning point, like the place where we came together as Homo sapiens and realized that there was maybe something more mm. than just killing everything mm. became like what we would call fully human and we were more than just running around and chasing critters down and eating everything we found mm-hmm. we could make it ourselves and cultivate it yep so you know that was kind of the thing that we were talking about a little bit earlier that this place was really like paradise at that point I mean, you know, it looked beautiful. Unspoiled. It was totally unspoiled. There were there was everything we needed. There were rivers. There were fish. There were, you know, like massive amounts of wheat and stuff like that that we could 
cultivate and there were animals that we could turn into herds and we could become shepherds. And it seems like it would have been like, if there was going to be a place for this historical turning point in our evolution, this would have been it. It's, you know, it's conceivable. You know, the, there's a theory that um, originally the, the old theory is that Egypt had a very advanced, wealthy society and then they decided to build the pyramids. And yet there's another theory that uh, essentially the building of the pyramids actually drew people in from the countryside and got people learning skills and stuff. And actually that's, in a sense, is what kick-started and created Egyptian society. Mm-hmm. And their civilization. Basically, the city had jobs. Yeah, yeah. Which is what we see and today in all over the world. Is well, we go to the city because there's jobs, and then you learn the yeah, skill yeah. and move and out. So yeah, and so and so it sort of reverses that whole thing. And the and and it is a possibility if you can, you can sort of see this idea that the building of this thing, which would have been a monumental undertaking back in those days, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, would have drawn people in from all over and and actually created a civilization. It could, actually could have been the kernel of a civilization, which, of course, has yeah. long, long since died out. And, you know, think- and, that, and that's a... And that's a, a Compelling theory, except where did where did all the buildings go? Maybe they're still buried somewhere. They mm-hmm. they probably are. But that that's the interesting thing is that there there should be villages surrounding this thing. Well, Maybe they're there and they're still just buried, and we haven't found them yet. Yeah, I mean, as we said, they've only excavated what they estimate to be five percent of this place. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. it turns out that all the rest of the things were actually like living facilities or working facilities or something or, or it was tents. Yeah. Or if you think about if in tents is kind of where I'm going, if you think about a lot of major cities in third world countries where they have very advanced building technology, but then everybody goes home to a very poor, ragged society. Like a, like a mud so, hut, yeah. Right. It's, well, and, you know, today Certainly it's everybody uses yeah. tin. Oh. Yeah. But back then it may have been seven sticks and a couple of pieces of hide that yeah. hung up and you had this barrio mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. lack of a better term yeah. all around it. That's where everybody lived in their kind of barrio tent city and when you were done, every, oh well he left, I'm going to take his stick and I'm going to take that stick and I'm going to take this skin and then of course they break down and they mm-hmm. wear out and they get beat down and uh-huh. that would explain why there's no record of this stuff because it was so thin is the well, only word I can come to mind but yeah. Yeah. Just so short-lived that, of course, we can't find it. So, well, no, but, but I mean, the thing about it is, is people leave people leave junk behind. People have garbage dumps and things like that. If there, if I were if I were an archaeologist and I were working on this project, you'd be looking for a USB drive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the black I box be, of this uh, thing. Yeah. yeah. Now I would, uh, you know, I would be, I would be looking for the nearest spring, the nearest creek, the nearest river. Uh, where probably people would have set up camp and built their villages and stuff, and I would be looking for garbage dumps and just looking for residue of human beings. But I think well, that's the difficulty. If it's been ten thousand years yeah, or twelve thousand, it's going to be hard. Everything's moved. This is uninhabited. Also, yeah, it's also not uninhabited. There are people who have been living here. It's literally like the cradle of civilization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, hundreds of different communities have come and lived in spaces like this. The reason they found this place is because a shepherd yeah. had his sheep. Wandering over it. I mean, it's well. Not- that's, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's possible. I mean, I don't know where the nearest village is in relation to this. How far? A mile? Two miles? Yeah, not um, far. Yeah. So, I mean, that village might actually have been one of the villages of this 
little civilization that built this thing. Maybe. You know, it they've built it on top around. of that. There's an airport like 30 miles away. Yeah, I mean, it's I not mean, Yeah, it's, it's entirely not possible. That's um, why we need to go into those villages and basically kick the people out and start excavating. I think that's probably fair. Yeah, yeah. that sounds fair to me. Oh, you yeah. are so, so going to be on the society <laughs> committee, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all the theories. But yeah. I guess, you know, there are just so many. I mean, there are, yeah, but there are why, mysteries of like why and how. Why? And, why, did, why did they fill them in? I, who knows? That, that's that's the thing that throws me mm-hmm. every stinking time that I review this story is why in the hell did somebody fill it in? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I I know I said this before, but I I can only see that one culture built it, and another culture was scared of them, mm-hmm. and let's say they considered them demons or something, uh-huh. or they were gods, or I don't care which way you go with it, but there was some hesitation to just destroy what they had made because of the backlash. So you just fill it in. Well, I it's guess. like uh, cover it up. It was pretty much away. until pretty recently in human history. Whenever you um, overthrew another city or overthrew another people, you always raised their city and murdered all the inhabitants. And so, in this case, it's like you know, well, it's not exactly a city; it's kind of underground a little bit. So we'll just fill it in instead. That's good enough. But I think I think another possibility is that the the people that built this. And think, of course, this is a long-term project. They might have intended to actually put a roof on this thing of stone. So, I mean, if you and if you look at those 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 T-shaped stones that are, that, by the way, were set in holes in the ground, everything mm-hmm. to hold them upright and everything, they look like they look like freeway supports almost. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. If you look they at the picture, do. they do. They look like something that was built to support a span. Something that something that somebody at some point was planning on coming and setting a big slab of rock on top of, you know, to make a roof for that. Thing. Well, that's where the mothership was going to land. Yeah, that's that too. Uh, if you wanted to do that, the logistics of it are daunting. Mm-hmm. The, the the easiest way to do it, I would think, would be to fill in that whole area around them. Then you wheel in your slab and muscle it on top of that thing. And then afterwards, when you're all done, you you scoop the fill out again. Mm-hmm. And waha, you've got your thing. But, of course, ancient civilizations, like our own civilization today, being fragile and, and subject to disruption and even extinction, uh, somewhere between the filling in and, and actually the quarrying of this big piece to go on top, something happened, and uh, the project never got completed. Another possibility is that they got the roof on there, and then somebody else came along afterwards, after they were extinct, and wanted to salvage those big slabs of stone for some of their project. So they filled it in just to facilitate getting the stones down, the, the big slabs of stone. I like the idea that um, it's preservation. I think we as humans, we don't tend to destroy things that we perceive as very important. Mm-hmm. All, I mean all the We time. tend to destroy things we perceive as important to other people, though. To other people, yeah. yeah. But if, no. we, yeah. if we think they're important, I mean, it's, you know, things like the pyramids. Yeah, okay, there was, like, marble on there once, right? And, like, okay, we stripped that off. And, like, we, yeah. We, but, like, we didn't destroy, like, demolish them. Well, we that was, was a lot of work. That would have been a major undertaking. To but it would have been things. a major undertaking to destroy these things, too, yeah. right? I just think, you know, in my, like, beautiful utopian world, right, this is the Garden of Eden. Uh-huh. And we've just like, and then we're like, oh man, we should keep this. Like people are going to want to know about this. All I, right, let's fill I, it in. Let's let's fill it in. I I understand that's like a that's pie bad in the sky. Theory. That's pie <laughs> in the sky. Come on, it's totally a bad theory. But like in my brain, in my like little fantasy world, that's totally what happened. 
Okay. Hmm. Yeah. What do you think? I, I think that either somebody wanted to destroy them by, by burying them or somebody had a practical purpose in doing it. That's fair. What do you think, Steve? You just look angry. No, I don't. I don't look angry. I just <laughs> don't lie to there, there, there's, there's to uh, and and as with everything, there's a piece missing that doesn't add up for me. Mm. I've already said my piece of I don't buy into the age of these things based mm-hmm. on the evidence that I, we can find. But I do. I I, I find it intriguing and odd uh-huh. that the whole thing was filled in. But I don't know why, and so I don't know which way to go. I mean, again, I, I kind of feel like one group built it and another group found it. Yeah. And were mystified and either revered or afraid of that first group backfilled it. Because the backfill is the big mystery to me. Yeah. Now, why the hell did somebody build this in the first place? Yeah. Why did somebody... Because I can only imagine the size of this site. Yeah. That had to take a long time to fill this in. And not just fill it in, but you got to overfill it. Because anybody who's filled in a hole knows that it's compact and settled. Settle. Yeah. Which means that you know you've got to just... Cover tons and tons of material over it. So th- that's where the big mystery for me is. Maybe they were scared of falling in. Uh, that could have been. <laughs> they didn't this, want to fall in and hit their head. Been, on a big it could have been like an OSHA hazard. thing. They were afraid of lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my God, we could get sued. Yeah. Lawyers in the future? Yeah. Oh, fill oh, this thing man. in. Yeah. 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 Those guys at Stonehenge, they're taking their own risk, but not yeah. us. No. Mm-hmm. That's why, fill it in. But that's why I think that, uh, you know, my theory is, is still probably incredibly fallible. But the idea that they somebody filled it in just so they could spear away those big slabs of stone, which, by the way, when you think about it, the slabs of stone they would have taken to span those things would have been huge. By oh the, yeah, you know? yeah. And if you think of if you think have it, somebody take the time to cut them out for you ahead of time, yeah, well, yeah, that's pretty awesome. So if you think about it, if you come along and you're looking at those things and you're thinking, how can we salvage those things? We can either we can go down to that some quarry and we can spend fifty years chiseling these things out of the rock, or we can get them out of here. Getting them out by filling in that whole thing and spiriting them away would probably be a much yeah. easier job than that's going and quarrying them yourself. Yeah. yeah. And so that's that's kind of why I'm thinking either somebody did that to salvage those things, mm-hmm. or they did that because that in order to get them on there to yeah. begin with. And of course, this is sheer pure speculation. Yeah. And I'm probably totally full of it. So that's all the theories, and we already talked about what we like and what we don't like. Mm. Uh, aliens, maybe, probably plasma <sighs> events. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's the plasma th- event thing. Uh, <laughs> the it was the mother race. That that's that that is one of the most far flung theories <laughs> I've heard. Uh, rather where absurd, I yeah. just yeah. even I couldn't. I, mean, I, I tried to be the pragmatist of the group mm-hmm. and say, well, maybe, but yeah. even I'm like, no. Oh, the no, idea, I, can't, I, can't, I can't buy that. The one. idea that somebody's going to look up at the sky and see a bunch of aurora borealis events and think, wow, let's go carve a ton of stone out and build a thing. You yeah, know I mean? that looks and, exactly like a. Bird, yeah, yeah, cool. and then, yeah, yeah, and and of course, remember these things must have taken a long, long time. Oh, yeah, yeah, and so at some point, somebody's gonna say, "Why are we doing this exactly?" I mean, yeah. I, yeah, Dad, <laughs> why have I been doing this for the last twenty-seven years? Because yeah, I told you to. Yeah, 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 we had some lights in the sky. That's it. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. we saw it once, yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. So you know, so this is yeah, the this big, is this is an it's a big ball. mystery. We've been doing a lot of mysteries lately. Yeah, yeah. yeah we always do. I, I guess it's what, it's we, what do. we do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that uh, ancient man really liked 
carving stone a lot. I, that's you know, I, I, it was his pastime. Yeah, he hadn't huh. invented soccer yet. I so know, he just I carved know. stone. I, yeah, you know, like I, well, I, you know, I, I, when I was in Peru and I was looking at there's these incredible stonework that, creations that they made, these incredible walls and stuff like that, and the amount of care it must have taken. And I, I, I thought to myself, you know, why did they do this? And mm-hmm. my, and the, the only theory I could come up with that was plausible is that this was their form of art. This yeah. was this, this was like they didn't have like painting and all this other stuff. This was what everybody was into. It's like, wow, we're going to well, build these really awesome walls. Well, think about it this way, though: is that if you look at it from an art standpoint, I can do watercolors on paper. Mm-hmm. Or I can do oil paintings on canvas. Yeah. Which one degrades and falls apart first? Poo. Watercolor on paper. Because yeah. paper just falls apart, especially paper at the time. Yeah. So I can carve a log mm-hmm. and I can do beautiful work, but that means that it's going to be outside and it's going to be displayed for everybody to see. And it's going to fall apart. It's going to fall it's apart yeah. within... Ten years at the outside, yeah, it'll yeah. have degraded completely. Where so that means the only way that I can show my reverence is to do it and, and show my artistic ability yeah. is to put it in something permanent, which would be stone. So yeah. that's yeah. to me that would be a logical reason why it's, to use stone all yeah. the time. Yeah, I mean it was just what people were into, you know. So, <laughs> I mean, it was their it was their art form. It was, and yeah. you know, I guess it's just so interesting to see something as large scale as this. Yeah. You know, maybe know. it was just like a giant art exhibit. Yeah. Right? But it's a big art exhibit. Yeah. Very big. You know, so. Sony and eat your heart out on this one. Yeah. Oh, they have. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So, anyways, that's Golbeke Tempe. Yeah. Go, Very go, cool. Golbeke. Golbeke Tempe. Golbeke Tempe. Yeah. For once, I can pronounce it. We've been mangling it all night. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Golbeke Tempe. Tepe? Gobekli Tepe. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> it's gobbledygook. That's what it is. Okay. <laughs> it's Turkish. Now, anyway, we have solved the mystery, so it was aliens. Okay, oh. so, yeah, you can put your money on that. Yes, it was aliens. Yeah. You're thank right. you, Joe. So, thank you, Joe, for solving that mystery for yeah, us. Yeah. Archaeologists disband. Yep. So, <laughs> if you want to see any of the pictures, because I know we've been talking about a lot of stuff that you kind of just have to see to understand. Um, if you want to see any of the links that we have, anything like that, you can just visit our website. That's thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. If you have information to give to us, if you have gripes about the information that I have presented, which I'm sure you will. <laughs> or if you're an alien. Or if you're an alien who created this thing, please contact us at thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you're probably listening to us on iTunes. If you are, please give us a rating and a comment. Uh, we like to hear from you. Absolutely. Uh, also, take a look at us on Stitcher if you forget to download us, if you want to do it on the go, or you don't have iTunes. Some people don't have iTunes. Yeah, that's true. Really? Listen to us on Stitcher. It's great. You can just download whenever. and You just stream it right there out of it's your perfect. mobile You don't device. even download it. You just stream it, and it's the perfect thing ever. Yeah, find us on Facebook. Give us a like. We've got like three of you so far that like us. It's perfect. <laughs> I know there You're are more. Three of you. million. Three million. No, yeah. they're gonna go there and they're gonna see. There's like three people. It's yeah. fine. It doesn't matter. We're not doing a popularity contest. <laughs> <laughs> We're just presenting awesome stuff, and we know that you love us, and we love you, and we just want. To talk you to you sound like time. Barney there for a second. We're no, we're just like the overly attached girlfriend of podcasts. 
is all is happening right now. No, you sounded like Barney. <sighs> you sound like Barney, yeah. So, so Barney, what's next? <laughs> I don't know. I guess that's everything. Hey, she is kind of wearing purple, isn't she? No! <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, <laughs> I'm going to say goodbye, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. We'll talk to you soon, everybody. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.